invite you to imagine uh, being Peter and reflecting with Jesus sometime later a bit about that huge day down by the lake. Peter liked to talk, you know. And so he might have said something like this. He may have said, Jesus, you walked down that lake. Now, I can't remember if you were just ambling down or if you were walking at like a person that had a plan. But you saw Andrew and me expertly throwing out our nets to catch some fish because we were experts at our business. Fishing was huge on the Lake of Galilee or Gennesaret or Chinnereth or Tiberias. And our lakeside city, Capernaum, was where you were sort of settling in, maybe like your headquarters. But this is not, as you know, a rinky-dink place. At the widest, the lake is eight miles, and it is 32 miles around the whole thing. And in addition, the, the city is on a major trade route, which gives it strong commercial importance, and we were a part of that. We were down there that day, though, uh, because we had learned our disciple group leader, John the Baptist, had been arrested. We were feeling grief and anger and a sense of unsettledness and, and a desire to kind of make it all right somehow and, and a desire to move on. And I think a, a, a part of our hanging out down at the lake shore that day was sensing it was time to catch up with our day jobs. And then out of the clear blue, you came over to Andrew and me and you gave us this invitation. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Well, now, we have come to know that this is not the kind that you put on your face and look at it and throw it out and reel it all in. But we have kind of come to understand that your fish for people wordplay was to indicate that we and all the disciples would take on the role of apostle, which means one sent. But the role of apostles was to bring others you. But immediately, immediately we followed. And then we followed you as you walked down the water's edge. And you did the same thing with James and John, who were mending nets alongside their father. I think, I think all of us sort of felt magnetized by you or mysteriously drawn to you maybe even compelled by a sense of urgency even in our feet. It was huge, though, to leave our families who depended on us and to leave the security and safety of our fathers and the family business to wander around the countryside learning from you, a rabbi whose credentials this point really were not very well established. Ordinary curiosity may have been a part of that, but we did not follow you because we agreed with, um, every, with your vision of God and the world, 
but there was a sense in which we wanted to understand you and how God is in the world. For certain, our certainty was gone, changed by one deep longing, and that was to be with you. Now, our response was not without a bit of history. From John the Baptist, we had heard of you and, and even had seen you. And, and then we saw your grief on John's uh, arrest. And we learned that you and he were cousins, but you lived very different kind of lifestyles. But it was startling to us that you gave us the invitation. Now what usually happened, because there were uh, dis uh, disciples of uh, rabbis all around from time to time, they would wander uh, into villages and all that. So the regular protocol was that a person wanting to learn and study and observe a rabbi would, would go and tell the rabbi about their own desires and, and qualifications to be a follower, and then they would beg the rabbi to be among that person's disciples. And you know, it was almost embarrassing, maybe even humiliating that you asked us. But you know, come think of it, that especially kind of draws us to you to be chosen. Well, we call your words invitations, but that word follow me is really imperative, almost a demand that requires a response. And then we have to make an RSVP. And your invitation, though, sometimes comes to folks um, who are already involved in good work. We were living out our productive lives and were disciples of a dynamic voice of John the Baptist in the wilderness, calling people to repentance. And the call from you was kind of an odd kairos time. The Greek-speaking folks call that kairos, like at this time, or at the appointed time, or in the right time, or, or right now, planned or unplanned. Kairos might be like something when, when something kind of breaks with surprise into our schedules, something good. But often these kairos events also set off disruption and change if we gave the adventurous RSVP to the invitation. And then we notice also that sometimes as we have gone about our work and as if you have sent us, other disciples are agents of your invitation, voicing your words of invitation. And of course, that's the role of the apostle. And you certainly sent us, and we did find people who were willing to change their hearts to God-centered living and respond positively to your invite. 
But Jesus, are you aware that most of the time it is not easy to follow you? Mainly it's costly. As numbers of folks in this room could testify. Well, we just kind of explored a, a fictionalized Matthew interpretation of how Jesus called those first disciples. For Matthew, as well as well as with most of the, well, the biblical writers, the stories they told were not simply remembrances or recollections, but they were set in the community life of where they lived and worked and worshiped. So for Matthew, this invitation scene showed people in his congregation that to be alert for the invitation of Jesus. And it was a kind of model for them and even for us now, how it could be taking account, of course, of individual differences in experiences. Well, we get invitations every single day. Every commercial, every, the billboards, even preachers, uh, neighbors can urge us to uh, do something different about our behavior or, or our attitudes. And we're, we're asked to change our shampoo, our, to put, on, put money in this bank or to join that congregation or to vote this way. So we must be alert to distinguish between good invitations or some that might even be called temptations. Mm. And we must resist this bombardment to make frequent changes that lead us nowhere. So it is important to stay involved in our productive commitments because they hold important places of grace and learning. Being consistent to our goodness is needful. But on the other hand, we can become resistant to invitations to change such that life gets in a rut. Could be like the old definition of insanity. To keep on doing the same things you're doing in the same way you've been doing them and expecting different results. I believe that Jesus comes to all of us from time to time, inviting us to push our boundaries, to move beyond comfort zones, and to move forward in life and to experience it in the full, abundant measure God intends. Now most of all of us here heard and followed the Lord's invitation to cast our community lot with providence. Some may have been drawn by a group involved in hands-on ministry with homeless folks. Or perhaps others heard questions asked here they'd never heard asked in church before. Well, and not always with ready answers. Could be you might have been wanted to be free of some of the negative stereotypes of, of Baptists. Or you may have witnessed some spiritual growth in a friend who was already part of this community. And then most of us know people in this room who are apostles, bringing others to Jesus. So wherever in life you were, you heard Jesus say, follow me in this 
plate with these people over here. Importantly though, deciding to participate at Providence is not the same thing as following Jesus. And you could have heard him call you to another place or group. But probably to commit to this community could have been none other than the response to an invitation from Jesus, at least a part of the invitations Jesus voices to each of us. And that invitation can be disruptive. A personal experience I had was when the preparation for the founding of this church um, had begun, I was on the clergy staff at First Baptist Church in Asheville, and they were on the brink of calling a vibrant, deep-thinking Jesus follower to be their pastor to end a year of interim. And I was so excited to imagine working alongside this marvelous ministry. And in the middle of that one day, it was a shock to hear one of my area colleagues say, what about you, Gail? As that formation committee was beginning to talk about pastoral leadership for this congregation here. Recall how it was when you sensed an earlier invitation of Jesus any invitations. So maybe digging at this text today, can we not sense Jesus speaking to us to follow him and learning and growing and doing our faith to share his life individually as a church? What is our RSVP? Pastor Larry Bethune writes, the invitation from Jesus for you to follow him and be his disciple in the world is the best invitation you will ever get. Mm -hmm. It is an invitation to experience the life God created you to live. It is an invitation to grow your soul. It is an invitation to an adventure in which God is your constant companion. It is an invitation to always be on a journey whose destination is ultimate and eternal. It is an invitation to learn how to love and to expand your compassion to all humanity. It is an invitation to join the beloved community, even if sometimes the community might not seem so beloved. <laughs> but it is an invitation to shed the pettiness, the selfishness, the meanness, the short-sightedness, the prejudices, the tribalism, and the growth-stunning fear that plagues us all. It is an invitation to put yourself in the hands of the living God. It is the way we get alive. But of course we know that following Jesus is not easy and it can be costly. But you get everything. To follow Jesus, you don't necessarily have to change careers or take a certain job or let go of commitments, good commitments that you've already made. You don't have to go to seminary and be ordained. You don't have to know everything about the Bible, but you, you kind of want to learn about it. 
And it is not being nice all the time or putting God talk over all your prejudices. But it does mean confronting prejudice and injustice wherever you find it, even in your own self. And this is not a part-time invitation or a Sunday-only interest, but a total immersion following Jesus touches every aspect of our lives. Following Jesus means putting yourself in the hands of the living God. What is our RSVP? James McClendon, probably the last century's deep Baptist theologian, tells this story about Clarence Jordan, who founded the Koinonia Farm in America's Georgia in 1942. This was a farm of communal living for Baptist farmers, or for Christian farmers. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, it soon ran afoul of the prevailing culture because people of all races were invited to participate um, as equals in the community. And here's what the Baptists did. The local Baptist churches withdrew from the fellowship from the farm. Local businesses boycotted the farm and refused to supply goods and services. The farm was bombed, shot at, vandalized, and robbed, harassed for living the gospel as they felt called. So Clarence asked his brother Robert Jordan, who was an attorney and later a state senator, to represent Cornelia Farms in the legal matter which led to this conversation. Clarence, I can't do that, he said. You know my political aspirations. Why, if I represented you, I might lose my job, my house, everything I've got. We might lose everything too, Bob. It's different for you. Why is it different, Clarence asked. I remember, it seems to me that we both joined the church the same Sunday as Boyd. I expect that we came forward, when we came forward, the preacher asked me about the same question as he asked you. He asked me, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, yes. What did you say? Clarence, I followed Jesus up to a point. <laughs> Could that point by chance be the cross? That's right. I follow him, but not, I follow him to the cross, but not on the cross. I am not going to get myself crucified. Then I don't believe you're a disciple, Clarence said. You're an admirer of Jesus, <laughs> but not a disciple of I think you ought to go back to that church you belong to and tell them you're an admirer, but not a disciple. Well, you know, we might be admirers and not disciples, but I believe Jesus welcomes admirers and has more than enough grace for us who follow him with faltering steps, with weak compromises, with expert excuses, and plain out denials like Peter. 
sometimes our RSVP to Jesus invitation is overmatched by our cowardice, by our readiness to please other people, and by our quest for well-being. But here we are, mixed but faithful, as Brugman phrased, compromised but committed, anxious but devoted to you. And those who are disciples do find the joy and fullness and adventure and abundance of God. They live large and never regret anything they are losing for the immeasurable abundance that God offers. It's our own holding back, our failure to follow that makes us small. I found this story from Dr. Craddock, the greatest teacher of preachers, and I just can't resist including it in this sermon. He writes, I recall preaching in a university church in Norman, Oklahoma some years ago when a young woman came up after the service. I had preached on the call of the disciples, and she came up and said she wanted to, to talk to me and, and said, I'm in med school here. And that sermon clinched what I've been struggling with some, for some time. What's that? Dropping out of med school. What do you want to do that for? She said she was going to work in the Rio Grande Valley. And she said, I believe that's what God wants me to do. So she quit med school and went to the Rio Grande Valley sleeps under a piece of tin in the back of a pickup truck and teaches little children while their parents are out in the field. She dropped out of medical school for this and her folks back in Montana are saying, what in the world happened? And I, Craddock, was saying to her, well now, I was just preaching. I didn't mean Jesus, that Kairos day, was in that Galilee Valley giving invitations. Today, Jesus, this Kairos day, January the 26th, 2020, Jesus is in the valley of Hendersonville giving invitations. What is your and our 